Welcome to the Kinjas Podcast. Here we will discuss dance, life, and whatever the f*** we want. Welcome back to another episode of Kinjas Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. Today, we got the Red Bull BC1 All-Stars in here. We have Nagin, Roxwright, and B-Boy Ronnie. And uh, they're on their uh, their Red Bull BC1 tour. They're stopped, they stopped over here in LA. This is their first stop. Um, they talk a lot about what, what's going on over there at Red Bull. Red Bull's been doing things like BC1 and pushing culture and breaking barriers for uh, things that would maybe not conventionally be perceived as a sport to be put into that sort of category. And so they talk a lot about the evolution of, uh, you know, breaking culture to where they've individually started to the things that have inspired them to the way that they train. Um, so much stuff that we talked about. We talk about their views towards, uh, you know, breaking being in the, the 2024 Olympics and just really the evolution of not only breaking and b-boy culture, but, um, you know, dance as a whole and, and where it's going and where they where they want to take it, where they feel like their future is with dance kind of being alongside them, even um, maybe after they kind of hang up their their dancing shoes, so to speak. So there's a lot of really cool information, a lot of cool uh, insight into how these elite athletes, um, you know, train and how, how they've gotten to where they're at. So um, really fun talk, little cool lightning round at the end, uh, some dream battle scenarios that were thrown out there. Uh, really fun, inspiring talk. I'm really excited for you guys to get into. This is the first time we've done a, a pod this big with this many guests. So it's a cool, interesting little experience, and I know y'all are going to enjoy it, so let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Kendra's Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. I'm your host, Ben. We got Mike Fowl behind all the tech stuff. What's up? We got Nathan helping out today. What's up, Nathan? What's up, guys? Guys, we have a super special episode. This is a first time ever we've had three guests total, and first time ever we have the Red Bull BC1 freaking all-stars in the house, man. What's like, up? I'm going to try to do this intro. Here we go. Here we go. Hailing from Guadalajara, Mexico, winner of Red Bull BC1 in 2011, representing Renegade Rockers, Squadron, and the BC1 All-Stars, we got Roxwright in the house. What up, man? What's up, dude? Hailing from Las Vegas, Nevada, winner of BC1 in 2007, representing Full Force, Super Crew, Seven Commandos, Super Walkies, and the BC1 All-Stars, we got B-Boy Ronnie. Yo. What's up, Ronnie? What's up, what's up? Hailing from Cascavel, Paraná, Brazil, winner of BC1 in 2010, representing Tsunami All-Stars, Super Crew, and the BC1 All-Stars, we got Nagin in right. the house. What's up? What's up, fellas? Yeah. What's up? Up? Thank you guys for coming through. Um, I think it's most of you guys, first time at the dojo. Uh, Rox, I know you taught, a, you taught a workshop here before, yeah. so it's your second time, man. Thank you guys for coming through. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah man. Um, it's exciting, man. I feel like Red Bull is straight up changing the game on so many levels and creating um, opportunities and platforms for sport to be looked at in very different ways, right? And things that would not be perceived as a sport um, in, you know, in traditional sports history is now kind of being looked at in that way. And I think what BC1 is doing with uh, with hip hop culture, street dance, it's it's definitely carving down paths where dance now is is in a in a place that it was not even in you know even like 10 years ago you know what i mean and and you guys are representing the culture um you guys have individually carved your own path within bc1 history 
and and you guys have formed a team. You, yeah. guys, you know what I mean? You guys are the the all stars. And um, I just want to get into a, a a brief kind of just like you know for whoever wants to take it uh, for the people who may not know what Red Bull BC One is. Um, like what what is that? What is that platform? And uh, what is that to you guys? Uh, Red Bull BC One. Uh, basically, Red Bull BC One is probably like the most prestigious one versus one B Boy battle. Started in two thousand and four, and it's it's a global event where they take pretty much like the best of the best, you know. But within the past fifteen years, it evolved because back then it was just like the top sixteen. But now you have like these national qualifiers where you're giving opportunities to b boys from like countries where you wouldn't even imagine there would be b boys at, you know. So it definitely grew in the past fifteen years. And now it got to a point where they created an all-star team, which started in 2010, mm -hmm. which is the Red Bull BC1 All-Stars, which is pretty much like the elite B-boys in the world, which you don't have to be a Red Bull BC1 champion to mm -hmm. be a part of the All-Stars. Mm -hmm. It's just the main influencers, some of the most respected B-boys in the scene. So yeah, this is something we've been building for over 10 years. That's wild. How many yeah. All-Stars are there total? Just uh, total All-Stars? That are 13. There's like 13. We're still growing. We're literally still growing. We we just got a new member in mm -hmm. as of last week. We got 16 now. We got Sunny <laughs> from 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 the UK that's oh, representing word. the All Stars now. That's and we tight. don't just focus on B Boys now. It started off with uh B Boys, but okay. now we've expanded to all all styles of the urban dance. Yeah. You know, yeah. we have we have uh, hip hop dancers, we have Poppy. poppers. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, it's That's been amazing. How do, how is it determined who becomes an all star? Is it is it Red Bull's corporate decision, or like, are you guys do you guys function as a crew and be like, yo, who do we need to get down? Uh, well, before yeah, I mean, before it was more like we were basing the decision amongst all the members, uh, and now we have more. We have help now from international. Got you. Making yeah. or advising people yeah but um, you guys have also yeah we're, we're still the ambassadors we're, yeah, we're the we're opinion leaders you know right. so obviously like our voice is heard when it comes to who we get in yeah mm. and obviously uh, all the new members that have been getting down with us have been very respected in the scene so we really take our time with really looking into like who's going to represent us because as much as it's 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 red but we really do feel like a, a crew you know we represent together and even before the all-stars we already had a history judging battling each other before this is even pre bc1 pre 2004 we were already doing Rivals. a lot in the scene yeah you know like we were battling each other yeah. like across the seas overseas and i remember even meeting uh nagin at one of the first bc1s in 2006 and like you know years later he ends up becoming the world champion so it's all full circle man like yeah. a lot of us have known each other before the all-stars even started and mm. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. That's dope, man. Yeah. Um, just give us a brief, like one one by one, uh, like your history of kind of how you found dance, because I think you guys are are icons and and heroes to so many um, aspiring b boys and b girls out there. And you know, I think with where you guys are at, I'm sure the question is like, how did you get there? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, let's start with Ronnie. Like, what's like? Oh, okay, we'll start with Nagin. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah start with me. We're going to start with Nagin. What's up, man? So, what's like, where did you grow up and, and how did you find and dance and mm -hmm. all that? Yeah, well, I'm glad that you say, like, how you get into dance, right? Because um, I started with a uh, Brazilian martial art called Capoeira. 
and capoeira is a holistic approach to it's not just a martial arts you have to dance you have to play the instruments you have you learn how to sing you learn about how to teach you know like it's like a, a low, a so many different art forms within one art form you know and um i was born in 87 by 91 90 to 91 i, I was already playing capoeira yeah so it was like very young uh age at that point so from 90 to 2000 that's I was 10 years dedicated to capoeira as being a kid, you know? So I was like, now I need to improve that. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to learn something different, like a different culture, a different uh, body movement, you know? So I'm going to look into Asian culture, American culture, and that's when I found out about hip-hop culture, you know? Mm -hmm. Because in my hometown, that time, was there was no hip-hop culture at all, you know? It's like, yeah. It was like, okay, so I tried to do all the elements from hip-hop culture and obviously uh, engaging with my culture, that's capoeira in that, in that time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to create my own way of learning this art yeah. form, you know. So I started mixing up capoeira with breaking and, you know, putting it all together. Um, and then, yeah, like Ronnie mentioned, 2006, that, that's when I met the guys, you yeah. know, like Ronnie, Rocks, right? They came to compete in Sao Paulo, Brazil, you know, at BC1, actually. Yeah. And then I was there, you know, I did the qualification there. I didn't pass, you know, for some reason. <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's yeah. the dope uh, part about it because this coach is so, you know, like special that you 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 got to compete right. you have the cypher you have like position just to watch them and also it's like wow i want to do the same thing as these guys are doing and obviously that's going to be the highlight of what i do my yeah. style my culture where i come from you know yeah so four years later then i became the world champion back in 2010 in tokyo when rox white was judging there and then Tight. from there just go with the flow until today <laughs> that's dope man mm -hmm. that's wild so, but so, you rocks, right? Yeah. <laughs> For me, uh, I started in 95. I was 12 years old. I grew up in Northern California. Uh, Windsor, actually, is the town where I lived for the longest. <laughs> uh, but, you know, living in a small community like that, uh, hip-hop and breaking at the time when I started was kind of exploding in the area. Um, a lot of kids were doing it. So, for me, you know, going to school dances and seeing kids break, that's what really influenced me to want to do it. Because the kids that did it were kids I knew since I was even younger from elementary school. Yeah. So it was like, oh, that's the, it's like the new cool thing to see, you know. Uh, I didn't really know that people still did it outside of, outside of uh, Sonoma County. I'm yeah. sure they did, but I just, you know, being a little kid, you're kind of just like doing it. Um, from there, I started just practicing nonstop from 95 on. I never stopped breaking. Um, in the 90s, it was just more about just battling, you know, and like there was no competitions at the time that I started. Mm -hmm. So for me, at that time, we would always battle everywhere, you know, at, at school breaks, school dances, parties, wherever there was a chance to battle or somebody break, you would battle each yeah. other. From that, it just kind of grew into the competitions because in, in the late 90s, all the competitions started taking off, uh, bigger events started happening. And for me, that was kind of my avenue. Um, I always was competitive as a kid, and they kind of carried over into breaking and whether it was in ciphers, then it carried to competitions. So that was my way to leave my mark in the community where I was from, but also as I aged and grew into it, it was my way to leave my stamp in the scene and in this movement of breaking in hip-hop culture as well, you know? Yeah. Um, so for a while, I would just be competing nonstop. I mean, you know, back then it was... I was winning battles, but it was, you know, winning, like, no prize money. It wasn't about the money for me. It was just about repping and holding it down and leaving my mark and just trying to be the dopest. You know, that's the mindset of hip-hop, trying yeah. to be ill. Like, you got to be fresh. You got to dominate, and you prove yourself by 
skill. So for me, it was that. Um, through those things, I, that's how I established myself. In 2005, 10 years after I started breaking, I won the UK champs uh, world title at the time, and the caliber and level of that time was really high. I ended up battling another all-star who's Hong Ten in the finals, who was the favorite. Mm-hmm. And by beating him, that really pushed me into the international scene and really gave me the stamp of recognition on the worldwide level you know uh people knew of me and they respected me but the world scene hadn't fully seen me till then you know yeah. and from there on yeah i just carried over you know we helped create the all-stars in 2010 uh, i won the world finals bc1 in 2011 i won back-to-back freestyle session titles in 2013-14 yeah. uh, last year i reached my 100th victory of my career it's wild. Um, yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, and through Congrats, all this, <laughs> thank wins. you. That's got to be like a Guinness World Record or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <For> sure. <laughs> yeah, through through all that, you know, I've just always kind of produced my own content. Yeah. It's been self-marketing myself throughout all the years, and that's helped me kind of stay relevant and also just being honest about my approach and yeah. the way I see breaking and has kept me alive and kept me going and thriving throughout the years till today. What's up? Respect. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. About you, Ronnie? Uh, <clears throat> so my timeline's pretty long, too. I started <laughs> at the age of 10, moving here from Guam. Lived in West Covina first. Got into it around 1993, influenced by my older cousins. And then me and my older brother relocated to Las Vegas with my family. And we started full force in 1995. Met Knucklehead Zoo in 1997. Met Battle Monkeys around 99, 2000, and that's when we created Super Crew. So for the first few years, it's always just about, you know, the crew and battling and really trying to gain a name. And then uh, a few years after that, some of the crew members stopped, you know. So I, I tried to do the whole solo thing. So I was flying out internationally doing solo stuff. And in 2003, I won my first big one, one-on-one battle, Seven to Smoke, at uh, Notorious IBE, which is an event in Holland. Got invited to do Red Bull BC1 in 2004. Competed for the first four years, placed second, third, second. <laughs> and finally, the fourth year, I got first place in 2007. Nice. So that was like a big turning point for my uh, solo b-boy career. Uh, shortly after that, I was still doing stuff with Super Crew. We got invited to do MTV's America's Best Dance Crew. And within that year from BC1, we ended up winning first place on America's Best Dance Crew. And yeah, from then on, everything just kind of catapulted. We went on tour with Jabberwockies. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after, Jabberwockies asked Super Crew to be part of their residency show in Vegas. And this was like in 2010, the same year that the Red Bull BC1 All-Stars was established. Mm-hmm. So everything was just kind of aligning and happening yeah. simultaneously. So I would say that a big turning point was probably in 2010, where I felt like, you know, like this is something that's, really gonna you know like i i I felt stable you know like uh with the residency show with super crew with jabwalkies with the all-stars and this is almost 10 years ago but imagine all this started like in 93 so this is like 26 years in (laughs) and and there's there's almost like a a b-boy rule at least like in our generation in the 90s where it it usually takes at at least 10 years to kind of get your 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 foot in the door or you know just to kind of gain like at least credibility in the sure. scene and just stability and nowadays it's different you know people want it people are impatient they want it now but we definitely put in work to even just pave way for 
for the future. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that now because now with the All-Stars, we're starting to recruit new members. Now, like I said, we're expanding just not even within breaking, but just in the dance culture in general. So we were there to witness this whole evolution. It's, it's a beautiful thing. That's dope, man. Yeah, hearing all your guys' stories, literally everybody has a different um, path to not only culturally where you grew up, you know, and all that, but even how dance entered your life. And I think that's that's the dope thing about, um, you know, the whole art form of dance. I mean, obviously you guys, you guys, you know, identify yourselves as b-boys but even like Nagin, as you're talking about mm-hmm. you know infusing capoeira to b-boying and then at the time people in from both disciplines would look at you be like yo what are you doing mm-hmm. that's not that's not this and over here they're like well that's not this mm-hmm. and you're like well i'm doing me you know what i mean and and it's crazy because uh you know you mentioned style and that that's a that's a huge part of of uh uh, hip hop culture in mm-hmm. general, like having your own style and and having your own identity from, you know, originality of movement mm-hmm. to uh, flavor that you put out, your swag, the whole thing, and I think that's what is uh, is that's the beautiful thing about dance, and but when you take that and and start to kind of um, kind of disrupt the culture in some ways, like when you come out with your own identity, people who aren't sure. Or like the people, or like the OGs, or whatever the people who are in there would be like, that's not quite right, and that's how it starts. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you keep doing that, and you keep pushing that, then it starts to become accepted. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, actually, that is right now mm-hmm. <laughs> somehow. Like you know what I'm saying? I think that that's what's interesting to me, especially with um, with dance in general, but it, especially with hip hop. And, and Ronnie, you mentioned things like um, ABDC, you know what I'm saying? So I think when you take like cultural uh, upbringing to your finding your own path and kind of kind of creating your own style. And then and then so there's like this underground scene of dance. And I feel like B-Boy and hip hop culture has been underground for a, a long period of time before ever getting any sort of media exposure. Um, but then, you know, I would say, you know, in the early or like I would say probably in the mid to later 2000s with shows like ABDC, So You Think You Can Dance and all that started to get a lot of like visibility for dance. So like in your guys' experience, you know, with how you've grown up in this culture um, from the grassroots of it to seeing how things like the Internet, things like TV and putting this kind of spotlight on something that's been there for so long, um, how how do you feel like that's kind of affected it um, in both you know good and bad ways? Um, any commercial exposure to me, it's not a bad thing. I feel that it's always like an introduction because that's how majority of us have, have gotten introduced to it. You know, I was watching movies like uh, B Street and Electric Boogaloo, and back then, I mean B Street to me so pretty close to authentic, you know, what the movie Break in Electric Boogaloo, B-Boys do not dress like that. If you ever watched this movie from the <laughs> 80s, I'm like, that was like, but that was like the West Coast version of, you know. Yeah, like it was, a, what a, was more of like, a, it was based on Boogaloo and, and yeah. Lockin. It was more based on that and the B-Boys that were in it or good in it, you know, but they were, the movie, it seems like the dancers that were being featured as the main actors were lockers and poppers. Yeah. yeah. And then they would break a little too. But yeah, yeah that was like what in, in the late 80s, that was like my introduction to right. the dance. Yeah. But it's it's a way to reel 
people in. But then if it's something you're truly passionate about, then you do your research. You know your history. Mm-hmm. You, stu- you study your legends, you know, and the pioneers of the dance. So that's how I feel. And and even like in your de- generation, I remember growing up in the early 2000s when You Got Surf came out. And to me, that was like a big movie for yeah, dance. Yeah. But then looking at the movie now with the newer dancers, this is their beat street, you know? They're yeah, looking at yeah. this movie like, yo, that was the first dance movie that got me into breaking. And and a lot of the dancers that are in the movie are still relevant yeah. today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then they even look at the movie like, oh yeah, that was a commercial movie. You know, we would never, <laughs> you know, break to those kind of songs or but that was an introduction. So I feel that yeah, it's always good to have commercial exposure just as long as it's represented the the right way or with the right people, then you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. I think movies and industry work or anything related that's gonna reach the masses on a different level. I mean, that always helps our scene in terms of expanding and getting people involved that don't know nothing about it mm-hmm. or it's their first introduction into breaking in hip hop. Um, I think that's been a good benefit from it. Uh, then we, with the internet taking over a lot of the, you know, the social media platforms coming into play now, it's, it's everybody has their own channel to speak and their own place to, you know, market themselves and promote themselves in the way that they want. And I think that's where you start to change a little bit. And it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's just some people try to cut the chase. You know, they cut, they're cut. trying to jump from here to here without yeah. covering yeah. the middle ground. Right. And right. I think that's where things uh, get lost a little bit in terms of culture, in terms of actually being about the craft. You know, it's more based on either fame or they want instant gratification. You right. know, And I think that's where you got to realize breaking... If you could do it, I mean, do it. You know, I'm not knocking it. If you skip that whole part and you succeed, sure. good for you. But breaking is a craft that takes time. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get good at this overnight. Yeah. You know, you're not going to win world titles. You're not going to get the respect from the elders overnight. Mm-hmm. You have to come in here, hit the trenches, develop, grow. Yep. And if you're not willing to do that part and you just want the image, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And I think that's what's happened a lot of the times and I think that's people's frustrations within the scene sometimes is that they feel that they get left out or they feel that they're not on or they they feel that they're because they can do certain uh, gravity-defined moves that they should be doing something right. over this other person, you know, and they just don't understand the culture and a lot of things that have happened throughout these last years is that we have lost the connection to hip-hop, mm. you know, and that's not to say that some people aren't living it it's just that breaking has almost become a subculture mm-hmm. of hip hop because a lot of people that break don't even know their music, don't know right. their history, mm-hmm. yeah. don't know their their roots of what it is to be a b boy mm-hmm. and what it is to represent the dance of hip hop. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, in that sense, that's where we're failing in some ways because we're not fully getting the message out correctly. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. if people aren't following up with it, you know. Mm-hmm. But overall, in the end, it's up to the student the person practicing, the practitioner to go out there and really learn their craft, you know? Yeah. So we can only speak and preach so much, but it's up to the individual if they want to even do that. Mm-hmm. So that's the only downside for me, I think, that I've seen, and it's not a bad thing, like I said, it's just coming from the era that I come from and being, in a way, I guess, appears to the approach of this, then that's how I've seen it. And, uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, you know, yeah. You bring up a really interesting point. I mean, you know, like... I love how you talk about the, you know, point A to, you know, point Z. There's literally every other letter in between. You can't mm-hmm. just jump from A to Z, right? There's yeah. no shortcut to greatness. Yeah. And I think um, 
when you mentioned, uh, you know, knowing your history to your foundation and um, literally taking, being patient with yourself and, and um, going through the process. And, and that takes years. You can't, you can't uh, fabricate years into a month. You know, it's just mm-hmm. impossible, right? Like, no matter how talented you are, um, how much work you put in, you got to put in the time, right? Yeah. And I think um, when I think about stuff like that, like I think about sports, you know, like you want to be in the NBA, you're not going to get in the NBA playing basketball for like a year. You know, like you could watch as many videos as you want, study the greats, mm-hmm. and you're still not going to get there. You got to put in the time. And and you talk about the discipline of, you know, your craft. And so I feel like there's this parallel that I'm seeing between, and, and I think the conversation that we have a lot, you know, these days, which I'm sure you guys have a lot of opinion on, is um, dancing and sports. And, and people look at it as like two different things. It's mm-hmm. like dancing is art and sports is sports. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. not the same. But then if you think about the, the level of discipline and the years and the training that and, and the athleticism mm-hmm. that goes into um, b-boying to just even choreography, dancing, mm-hmm. whatever. Like there's so much, there's so many similarities there but I think where people lose the connection between dance and sports mm-hmm. is that it's like, oh, it's an art form, right? Like yeah. it, it's it's subjective. You can't um, you can't quantify. You can't uh, put something some objective rules to it. Mm-hmm. But then we talked about foundation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there are, there are foundational things, but you know, on top of that, you add your style and and you you add your own identity, which adds like a, a little side subcategory. Um, but I think about things like. Martial arts, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like once upon a time, the 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 word, the term is martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, it, arts is in there, mm. and um, you know when we talk about guys like Bruce Lee, who was bringing traditional martial art forms and you know bringing it to America and and teaching you know something that was culturally at the time mm-hmm. supposed to be for his people you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and he's like i feel like this is for all people mm-hmm. and yeah. i also feel like we don't have to always do it this way we can add this and yeah. and then eventually he developed his own philosophy where you know uh, jeet kune do, though it's not an actual martial art but it's a more of a philosophy mm-hmm. but like and then now it birthed to things like the mma like ufc yeah. you know what i mean yeah, and yeah. it's like mixed martial arts where it's like what is that? It's like multidiscipline, everything, and it's mm-hmm. just it's just fighting. So, I don't know, man. I, I look at I look at what's happening with dance, and I I look at platforms like Red Bull BC One as, yo, we're literally at that point where we're we're making a stamp in culture, and we're changing people's perspectives slowly. Yeah. But you know, a, a platform like this, and Red Bull calling you guys Red Bull athletes, man, like. That 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 term is only given to people who are in traditional sports, but it's like yeah. we're changing perspective and on that's, that. And that's the minimal, though. To be uh, like, when it comes to dancer, athletes, it doesn't matter because the most powerful thing out of this whole cultural approach that we have is it's a spiritual connection. Yeah, you know, it's like for us, like when you break, it's just like oh, yeah, I'm breaking for the competition. You know, it's like the emotions behind it. Mm. You know, the amount of train that you put it together when. Like when, me personally, when I'm dancing, I'm speaking to God somehow. Mm. What is that? Religion? Mm. Probably. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the spiritual aspect that you put into it, your emotions, you know. Like I was dancing the other day in the room, I started crying. I was like, why am mm. I crying doing top rocks? Mm. You know, like, well, what's the emotion that is hitting me? You know, like, 
And people are like, yeah, that's a dope-ass top rock. You did a nice Indian step in a cool variation. Mm-hmm. But, like, nobody knows the emotion that was getting to, like, releasing all of that. Mm. You know? So that's that's very powerful, you know? So it's, like, goes beyond, you know? It's, like, I think, like, especially us B-Boy, the way that we break our radius is already, like, a healing you know, like when you're doing head spin, not just head spin, you know, it's like we're connected to the universe. Mm. You know, it's like we're upside down and like how do you upside down is spinning at a certain speed and the gravity, everything connected, you know. So when you freeze and then you get up, it's like your your heartbeat is beating in a way that's like it's completely connected to the universe and sending energy out there. Mm-hmm. Or see B-Boy Remind Dance, for instance, you know, mm. like when Remind is dancing, like the other day we were shooting a video in the desert, he was doing top rock for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you make this sound. I was like, yeah. why remind is doing top rock for half an hour like that? Yeah. He was spraying. You know, it's oh. like, well, see, this is like everybody knows as B-boy remind, but he was like in some Lakota tribe uh <laughs> meditation, you know. Yeah, so I yeah. think it's like that's the thing about like being an athlete and being also able to understand that it goes beyond just the physical perspective of yeah. things. You know, it's like it's definitely a spiritual yeah. thing. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like an energy thing, you yeah. know. That's true. That's the part of I think breaking sometimes when you judge is like there's something that you see in a person when you're judging them that is beyond the dynamics of the dance, right? Because breaking such a dynamic acrobatic dance that you see it, so it can be presented as like an athletic sports looking competition, but mm-hmm. what's happening and the way that it's being presented is such an energy based thing as well. And yeah, that's kind of the divide where you're like, okay, it is can look the guys that are doing it are very athletic, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, we are athletes. Um, through dance but there's also in our dancers the energy side of it where I feel is very important yeah, yeah. To and there's different preserve. levels to it man mm-hmm. imagine yeah. just the level he was talking about as far as the spiritual connection mm-hmm. people that dance like that are not looking for a win you know they're totally. doing it for themselves yeah and people that are in it for the hip hop culture yes they look at the artistry factor of it and they want to connect to the music. They want to be part of a culture, you know. And there's people that just look at the dance in itself and a different approach where they just want to win. They're just focusing on finding the right formula to win a world championship. Mm. And they're disconnected from the culture completely. They probably don't even know any, like, hip-hop music at all. Mm-hmm. You know, they just probably <laughs> listen to just the breaks that are produced mm-hmm. now specifically for the competition. Yeah. So there's different approaches to it. But not to say that one B-boy is less of a B-boy than the other. Yeah. It's just, I guess, a different approaches. And what you were talking about, yes, there are B-boys out there that just look at it from only an athletic standpoint. Mm-hmm. And there's some that kind of find that happy medium where they could compete at a Red Bull BC1 and win a BC1, but at the same time, cipher for an hour, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, so they're just like different yeah. platforms for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of which then, so uh, it seems like you guys would probably all train in your own unique sort of way too. I mean, yeah. you know, again, you mm-hmm. mentioned Capoeira and like there's like, a, you know, more of a spiritual aspect mm-hmm. that you have and I'm sure that has a lot to do with how you even train on the regular too. You know, I mean, like, cultural things that you guys you know uh from foundations of, of of the dance as it started to infusing who you are now experiences that you have having danced in on different stages to you know taking a choreography class and mm-hmm. that could inspire something so can, can we talk a little bit about you know your individual sort of training regimen like how do mm-hmm. you focus in in especially when you train for, say, competition mm-hmm. or something like that? Yeah, for me, like, um, everything I do when it comes to all my art form is basically on capoeira. It's mm. based on the martial art perspective, which has to do with 
the discipline, the nutrition aspects of it. You know, it's like it's not just like, yeah, let me drink some alcohol right now and smoke here, do this, mm -hmm. and then tomorrow I'm gonna be ready for. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you can do that, but your body's not gonna be mm. really responding. You know, because so. Uh, and martial art teaches you that, you know, it's like mm. the discipline of like what you put into your body, what you put into your mind, what you put into your spirit, mm. you know. So especially like if you're going to do a competition, you know, yeah. you have to have those, you know, it's like because when you go to the competition, like, oh, man, I'm tired. I don't want to I don't want to battle like mm -hmm. waiting this whole gym all day here to do a <laughs> final battle, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. and then you definitely connect to something that it's more uh, in this in this approach, you know, it's like what I put in work to, you know, so definitely like. Everything I do, it's it's based on martial arts discipline, you know. Mm. Not not just Brazilian, yeah. you know, like every type of different approach when it comes to martial art. I think that's that's the key for us, you know. Yeah. We have a lot to learn from that side of art speaking, yeah. you know. This show is officially brought to you by Kinesthetic. Hop on the store.kinjas.com and plug in the promo code podcast spelled with the K at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase. We're always trying to bring you guys the illest gear for all your movement in the shadows needs. Follow us on Instagram at kin.aesthetic. Like us on Facebook at kinesthetic.brand. Out of curiosity, you said yeah. what you put into your body. What, mm -hmm. what, what, do you have like a specific diet that you're on? Yeah, like I, I usually like um, um, if I'm traveling, for example, because the thing is like you, if you're competing local, it's one thing. Uh -huh. You know, that's your weather, that's right. your food, that's yeah. your water. But all of a sudden, you go to compete in Russia somewhere yeah. when it's below 30 degrees <laughs> or whatever, you yeah, know? So it's yeah. like, how does your body going to function in that type of environment, mm -hmm. you know? Like, what's the amount of oxygen that you need, you know? It's like, so it's a lot of water. What kind of water, mm. you know? It's like, how you make the water alkaline, you know? It don't have to be like, oh, I'm a vegan. I'm, a, mm -hmm. I'm this for the whole year, you know? It's about, like, you understand how your body can function better. And that's how we learn, actually, like, Compete internationally, you know, yeah. like mo yeah. most of us. Real time, me, Rocks, right? We got sick in Korea <laughs> yeah. during the competition. You know, this guy was throwing up on the bus. You Dang. know, it's like on the way to, you know. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm wild. saying. Like when you when we're dealing with like different like um, countries, they different coaches and all of that. So you have to be prepared with that, and that's mm. the martial art perspective of it. Because if Khabib is from Russia and he's gonna. Uh, have a fight with McGregor in Vegas, and <laughs> Vegas is is hot because it's a des desert. Yeah. And dry your skin, and you know, so it's like they think ahead. It's like, okay, Dude, what do I need to get acclimated to the That's weather, sick. and yeah. you gotta even look yeah. at just like a. And then breathing, Resting because and most of us as as a dancer, we don't think about breathing correctly. We're just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I'm a dope ass V-boy. And then you're not breathing correct. Right. So you're not having like, maybe you do a freeze and then should I inhale here or exhale? Yeah. You know? So wow. yeah, we have to think all of that. And then what what is all about? plays a big part yeah. too. Right. Especially like in, a, in a solo individual yeah. battle, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like what he's saying. For me, it's a uh, little different, you know, coming from just purely just learning this out of nothing with not maybe musical background and not right. much so much dance um for me i just learned to kind of create within the style that i know and also within the views that i have in breaking and my perspective and learnings on it and the approach you know so for me i have to keep it enjoyable you know if i'm not enjoying practice if i you know i don't have to be so strict with my training i don't train militant style where you're like every practice has to be structured and in order for me i like to experiment i like to play around i like to roll around fall find movement within accidents you know and just enjoy music always music for me is very important to my practice mm -hmm. and development a lot of that 
is what's helped me stay consistent for so long and stay wanting to battle and stay creative and stay challenging within itself, you know, is the fact that I can just experiment and play around and constantly try to create new things or even it's one, two new steps, new ideas, new transitions, something unique to the way that it's going to make me feel when I go to the gym. I want to feel fresh. I want to feel renewed every time I hit the floor. So with so many events happening, that's my way for me to develop and stay consistent. Um, aside from that, I do do physical stuff like, you know, cardio, workouts and stuff like that. But those are minimal to what I actually do within breaking. That's mm -hmm. just more for me to sustain my body or try to create a better balance uh, to be able to execute the things that I'm doing at this age, mm -hmm. at the amount of breaking I've done, you know. Mm -hmm. When it comes to certain competitions or for BC1, for example, like he said, with the time stuff, what I was doing, I was waking up at 8 in the morning and going all out, battling 12 rounds, 15 <laughs> rounds to yeah. feel, see what it's going to feel right, like on a right. bad day, you know, because yep. if I'm going to be in Russia... At 8 in the morning, battling top dudes in the world. What do I got to do? It's like, okay, they're 12 hours ahead. I'm going to wake up. Battle's going to start around 7.38. Yeah. That means I got to wake up at 7.30, 6 in the morning, warm up. Like, and then start battling by 8 o'clock and doing a full battle of, you know, 15, yeah. 20 rounds in one morning. Just to get accumulated to know what it's going to be like. So if I'm going to be tired that morning, if I'm jet lagged over there, I know what I can do. Right. On my worst yeah. fatigue, right? Yeah. So then that was my way to train you know and it's yeah preparing yourself mentally and everything that goes behind it, it it's, it's much crazy. further than just the physical part it's also you're fighting within yourself and you're having to be confident enough to know what you can do when where how mm -hmm. adaptation in the moment adapts like if i sound again do something crazy mm -hmm. against me it's like oh crap I have to process what he just did instantly, mm -hmm. and within 30 seconds, I got to come out with a new round. Because mm -hmm. for me, in the way that I break and battle is more of adaptation in the moment. So mm -hmm. I can have moves and stuff that I already know how to do, but it's like, which one do I want to pull out when? And I got this one in my back pocket right now. So <laughs> yeah. if Nagin's going to blow it up, then I got to respond with some kind of an explosive yep. movement too. So I was like, all right, let me pull this one out <laughs> and get back at <laughs> yeah, him. You know? So yeah. that's... That's my way of approaching it, and that's what's kept it so fun for me. Yeah. Because, you know, if I, w I did at a certain point decide to pick sets for a while, and for me, I couldn't do that no more because I lost that sporadic feeling of mm -hmm. what a battle is to me. And that's what's kept me yeah. training, and that's kind of how I train. You know, it's like, Word. what can you do here? Okay, boom, you might have that moment. It's like chasing that one highlight moment of a special thing that you've never done before from all this practice that you've kind of just had throughout yeah. all these years, you know. That's freaking tight. <laughs> Nowadays tight. it's different because I feel that with competition it's so strategic and so tactical now, you know, because mm -hmm. people study. They study competitions. Oh, yeah. like, okay, this is what he did win. This B-boy won so much and this is what, you know, like how, because people like apply like uh, so many uh, different ways of just approaching a battle. When, when I started, I honestly didn't. For me, it was just about having fun, you know. Yeah. I remember even like the first few years of BC1, usually they would fly the competitors in like five days prior. But I remember just flying in, like, no, just flying in, like, two days before, a day before. And I would be so restless. I would be so tired, you know. But because to me, it wasn't always about winning. You know, for me, it was about just the artistry. Because I was yeah. always just fascinated with just having an idea that no one's ever thought about or creating a move that's never been done. Because when I was young, in the 90s, there wasn't really comp much competition, mm -hmm. you know. It was about my crew, full force, having a crew, you know, like, being a part of something and being unique 
you know, having our own individual style. Mm -hmm. And we really did draw inspiration from like a lot of crews at the time. And back then, one of the first competitions I went to and I witnessed live was Radio Tron 1996 here in LA. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it wasn't even a bracket style competition. It was two crews would battle and one crew would defend their title and they would battle for 30 minutes. And at mm -hmm. that time, it was Renegades his crew mm -hmm. and style elements who and and both these crews i looked up to and this mm -hmm. was 1996 you know and yeah back then competition wasn't really as relevant but it progressively got more serious they actually started being judges that knew what they were looking for mm -hmm. back then you would judge a 15 minute battle and you weren't counting it round for round yeah. it was meaning like highlights you know yeah i think this crew won you know they edged it at the end even though they were yeah. losing in the first week in 10 minutes. Of that. You know, like, there wasn't no real structure sure. yeah. until now. Mm -hmm. So now I'm still learning. I feel, I still feel like I'm a student. I still compete every now and then. I judge a lot. You know, I, I, I would like to think that I, I'm a good judge, but there's still competitions. There's still battles where it's so subjective you don't know because you could have the two best in the world, but how are you really going to judge it if none of them really mess up? It makes it easier if someone messes up because right. you judge on execution. Right. Mm -hmm. But if they're two of the best, it's going to come down to your preference of style mm -hmm. almost, you know? Mm -hmm. So me personally, when, when I train, I just want to just focus on just trying to be the best version of myself, mm -hmm. creating my own style, my own individuality, being unique the mm -hmm. best way I can. So if I go out there and I do my best, and if the judges didn't like my style, at least I knew... At least I know in my heart that I, I did the best I could, you know? Yeah. 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 That's funny that you mentioned that about the battles back in the day. It's I just want to drop in on that. Is that. Yeah, you know, now there's a structure and, and there's three rounds of battle or 10-minute battles or, you know, seven rounds per crew. So now that it becomes a very subjective opinion. Mm -hmm. With the time, like, back then or even when you, like, for up-and-comers or anybody that's watching this, try battling for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then just see like yeah. how good you are at really yeah. battling somebody for 20 minutes uh -huh. and then you will know if you want to lose yourself because yeah. right. you're going to be like damn I ain't got it no more I'm exactly. out I'm your arsenal moves eight. you know because yeah. people will train specifically for three rounds or they'll know exactly right. what they're doing you know especially my style like if you see like the way three of us we break completely different yeah. completely different like and my style I'm not saying that they don't spend much energy but for me, if I want to highlight my real style, it's uh -huh. like, oh, my God, how are you from footwork, Nagin, going to do those four times <laughs> flip with one leg in the air? Like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, so I suffered Heavy. with that because mm. I was like, wow, yeah. how am I going to really, you know, highlight my style right, into right. the competition now that has three rounds, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? So I have to really strategize like what? Okay, my first, I'm going to throw in the first round. So my first round is the one that I'm going to spend more energy to, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And then in the middle, and then the last one, okay, I have to pull it up a different one. But, yeah, so then you see, like, how diverse we are with yeah. individuality when it comes to breaking. And you see yeah. the contrast of different styles, yeah. too. And the beauty about this generation, which I'm not knocking at all, is yeah, yeah, now that it's it. strategic, <laughs> it's almost fun because it's almost like a chess game now, totally. you know? Yeah. And even when the Red Bull BC1 All-Star is when we, we compete and the way we've been strategizing is we know what everyone's capable of mm -hmm. doing. We know that Nagin's going to go out there and blow it up. You know, we could save him for mm -hmm. like this round right. against mm -hmm. this routine. Or we know that, you know, Rox is going to execute. So we'll send him against someone that could potentially maybe mess up and then he could just freaking right. capitalize. You know, it's just like <laughs> yeah, different, yeah, different yeah. ways that you can totally. approach it. Yeah. But even, like I said, different platforms for breaking too because there's solo competitions, there's crew competitions, mm -hmm. there's... Uh, there's just, you know, freestyling in the cypher or whatever. And there's, there's shows, you know, which B-Boys have just recently really started 
kind of getting into. And mm. I would say that ABDC was a turning point for that with mm -hmm. Super Crew, you yeah. know? Yeah. And even when Nagin represented with us at World yeah. of Dance and on ABDC Season 8, it was a whole different experience just really competing against crews that did this. That all, all, they, all they would do is choreography. And for Super Crew, this was kind of like out of our comfort zone. Right. But what helped us was our competitive spirit, mm -hmm. you know? It was like, all right, we're going to battle. Let's just... Let's just go into this with a b-boy mentality totally. as if we were going into it like at a battle of the year or, or a BC one, you know? Yeah. So that definitely helped us a lot, even competing in a choreo show. Mm. Mm -hmm. I love it, man. All I keep, I keep thinking about as you guys are talking about the strategy that goes into it to studying your opponent, to thinking about what country am I going to be competing in? Mm -hmm. So I need to, I need to live as if I'm already there, mm. oh, yeah. like previously, you know what I'm saying? So that I'm acclimated by the time I already get there. Like that sort of mentality is absolutely like what goes into what fighters prepare yeah. for. Which, you know what which I'm translate into knowledge. That's the yeah. fifth element of hip hop, hip hop culture, if you see, because like Red Bull BC1 is gonna be in India this year. Mm -hmm. Like India, my friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like if yeah. you drink this, this tap water here. I mean, I mean, this bottle of water. Yeah. If you do the same there, you're probably gonna have some food poisoning, yeah. right? Because the, yeah. the 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 bacteria, the yeah. everything, the parasitas, you know, mm -hmm. in the air is like completely parasites. It's mm. completely different that your body's not used to. So it's like you training hard the whole year, and then you go there and you're just like, oh, I Starts ate some salad off. here that has some sort of different bacteria that my body cannot handle. So wow. you're gonna prepare yourself with probiotics. Uh, apple cider vinegar, mm -hmm. you know, spirulina, maca, you know, all the superfoods. Mm -hmm. So you're going to go as natural as possible just because you're studying like, oh, it's going to be in India. Mm -hmm. So you're no longer talking about the competition. You're just like the culture, the air yep. that you breathe, you know. Yep. So yeah, especially me, I suffer because I go there. I don't do spicy. So <laughs> parts of India is like the only, oh, yeah, no spice for you. But then like, when it comes spices, wild. when it comes to food, it's very spicy. <laughs> yeah, just because they don't have a, yeah, <laughs> spice. Don't have a level. Spice, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so see, it's wow. like culture, you know, like you learning knowledge from a different culture yeah. completely. Yeah. You know, the subject of breaking competition is going to go aside as more you study, you know, where yeah. you're going to. So That's good, man. So I think like as we uh, we're talking about how... Um, dance has kind of evolved uh you know like obviously from the beginning of of breaking to where it is now it's evolved like a ton just like how even sports like basketball has evolved you know what i'm saying yeah. so you know with competitions like red bull bc1 and and just all the the reputable competitions out there that have put um you know this culture and breaking on the map and then now we move forward into 2024 in Paris, like breakings in the Olympics now, you know what I'm saying? So now the world is finally like, it's a sport, <laughs> you know what I mean? But this is, this is like groundbreaking, you know, this has never happened before and finally it's going down. And, and so I think it's, 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 it's competitions like BC one that have kind of kicked doors down in a way and, and kind of, um, painted this picture for the rest of the world to be like oh wow like there is something there i can see the sportness you know mm -hmm. to this thing um uh, talk about you know uh like your feelings towards breaking being in the olympics in in paris in 2024 i mean it is groundbreaking you know it's uh definitely putting us in a different level of social recognition um you know breaking and all the events that have happened have done a great job to maintain our culture and really preserve 
the people that have been living this for years. Um, and obviously these events have reached very high levels of obviously reaching audiences, promoting the culture, the dance, the movement. But we haven't reached the Olympic level yet. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like certain events have reached a very high level of recognition socially, but not something like the Olympics. So that I think is going to really gain more respect, more appreciation from people that don't understand breaking, yeah. right? And parents that don't support it or schools where they look at breaking as a street dance or something that is not respected like that. I think this has given us the position to get that kind of recognition. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something that has, creates positivity for kids in the ghettos around the world. Yeah. So what other movement brings all cultures together like that yeah. and gives us avenues out of our environments? You know, I mean, there's music, but in dance breaking is that now and it's being taken to the Olympics and all these things that we have struggled with in terms of getting that kind of respect, I feel like this is going to help us with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, And also creates a future for a lot of the younger people that are mm -hmm. doing it. It's opening doors for us to become coaches or training or be involved in different ways, but it's giving hope for the young kids to come out and now they have something bigger than just, you know, breaking at home as well. I mean, that we do it because we love it. Not everybody breaks for a gold medal, but there is a, that hope and chance yeah. to reach something of that mm -hmm. level. Yeah. You know, so at least you know that that opportunity is there. Yeah. Because right. you know? right. when we started in the 90s, obviously looking up to our pioneers and our legends from the 80s, they paved the way for us. Mm -hmm. And I feel that this generation is doing mm -hmm. the same for the youth, you know, mm -hmm. just totally. creating this platform for them. And it's, it's, it's going to be a big event. And you know, a lot of people are looking at the Olympics like, oh, it's it is groundbreaking. But a lot of people forgetting that it was already in the Youth Olympics last year, and it was mm. a big success. Mm. Breaking was actually one of the most popular, uh, I guess you would say, competitions to happen. And this mm. is what kind of led to the talks about it being in the actual Paris Olympics in 2024. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's revolutionary for breaking, and I, I support it. Yeah, they need to bring it to the 2028 ones in yeah. LA. <laughs> Oh, it's gonna be in LA in twenty twenty. I think so. Oh, yeah, right. Dang, I believe that's so. Be yeah, wild, so dude. They need to keep that momentum going. The only thing is that I think the Olympics have opened the door to letting the local, the countries decide on new, mm. like new sports or new mm. disciplines, and you know, France having such a big breaking community, yeah. and breaking scene. That's why it's breaking was a no brainer sense. for them. Mm -hmm. So a that's new discipline. incredible opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, you know, this being the first time that they do it right, I'm sure there's all kinds of concerns as far as, like, how it's going to be yeah. represented, yeah. how it's going to be judged. There's always going to be that. controversy. Because yeah. even yeah. till this day, there's a misconception about breaking for people that are not part of our culture, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. A lot of people still look at it like, wait, that still exists? Like, mm -hmm. really? They, yeah. don't, they don't realize that. Right. And, and we, we don't even know that there's a lot of still ignorant people out there that don't see what we're doing yeah. as, like, mm -hmm. a legitimate... Yeah. dancer you know get the cardboard <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah right it's, it's crazy yeah. right Whoa. i love i i mean i love the what the olympics does because i think the whole literally the whole world's watching because i mean everybody's rooting for the country mm -hmm. and and it's a great time where it literally brings um the whole world together right yeah. to support you know their own country but the you know without maybe people even realizing you're learning about other cultures and mm -hmm. other countries and and watching these competitions and then learning about it as you're watching it, you start to gain some sort of like respect that maybe mm -hmm. you never had before because you just maybe not exposed to it, right? Um, I think in, in terms of that though, with 
bringing things together and fusing things. You know, I think you know from capoeira mm-hmm. to you know with your own upbringing to taking like whatever sort of classes um, and. You know, you mentioned you being on ABDC, how you're like, yo, we're going up against straight up choreo crews. Like, we got to figure out how we're going to not necessarily do what they do, but kind of play that game. But we know what we're strong at. And so, like, I think when when you start to fuse things, um, it's it's always kind of it's a gamble. Like, we're like, I don't even know if what I'm doing really. It feels right. and, And I have my foundation. I know what my strengths are. Let me try some stuff that looks a little bit scary and foreign, but let's see if it works. And so I think like when I think about, you know, um, you know, what we do, even from Kinja's, you know, we we kind of coin what we do as like more so urban dance versus we just do hip hop because it's not always just hip hop, too. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's a lot of controversy surrounding things like that, too, Mm -hmm. where hip hop heads would be like, yo, but like that movement comes from like popping or or, or breaking or house or, or locking. But we're like. Yeah, but it's not always that. And we're not always dancing to like hip hop music. It's like mm-hmm. all sorts mm-hmm. of things, but it's dance, you know, it's a it's yeah. kind of a it's a art form that's universal. There's a lot of freedom yeah. there. Um, what are you guys' thoughts towards uh that sort of fusing of, you know, foundational elements to uh things that may not be necessarily coined as hip hop and then you know how it's kind of spinning off into like a, a different sort of culture, like this urban dance culture. Like what okay. So I can give you an example that it's like it's not really related to breaking or dance or whatever, but totally makes sense. If you look at soccer, right, which Brazilians we call football, mm-hmm. and if you talk about Pelé, right, the iconic Pelé, mm-hmm. Pelé, his style was called Jinga. You know, it's like the way he was playing soccer was just like, yo, this is not soccer. It's mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. it's like he was like doing backflip, kicking the ball or yeah. whatever, you know, and then you see Pelé and then you see Ronaldinho and then you see... Neymar nowadays, you know, it's like all those generations, you know, everybody like, oh, Neymar, the football player that plays in, in, in Paris, whatever. Everybody knows that. But Pelé went through that thing that was like, this is not soccer. This is not football. You shouldn't play. Mm-hmm. You don't, you're not going to the Olympics, by the way. You're not going to the World Cup, you know. Mm-hmm. So they put Pelé there in 54, the Olympics, for him to do his thing. And then the Brazilian football players became recognized. It was like, oh, football, World Cup, Brazil. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like... Uh, take jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's everywhere, every corner here. <laughs> From Japan, the Gracie family, you know, teach all the little kids. So, you know, now the Gracie family is in the military arm here in the in, in U.S. as the main martial arts self-defense, you know? Yeah. It's like, and people are like, oh, this is, not, this is not what it is. This is not Brazilian. This is not, you know, it's like all combined, it's all come together when mm-hmm. it comes to that, you know? So mm-hmm. I think it's like, it doesn't really matter what, Says like, oh, this should be done this way, or because people always gonna say something, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like my case was the same. Like I mentioned before, it's like, oh, what you're doing, you're not breaking, you're not original. It's like, well, I'm not from the Bronx, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's like, yeah, oh, it's original to yourself, you mm-hmm. know, like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and even from my own people, it's like, oh, you, what you're doing, you're not doing our culture, mm-hmm. you're doing breaking, you know. Yeah, it's like yeah. see like the mm-hmm. the type of uh, dynamic how it works. So yeah, that's good. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just how, you know, people become these iconic sort of trendsetter mm-hmm. figures, right? You know, it's the people who who would kind of disrupt, like I said, disrupt the the norm and and obviously be skilled. You got to be skilled yeah. and know what you're doing and 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 
be able to kind of have a, a backing to, you know, like, here's why I'm doing this. And, and I know the foundation. I'm not from exactly. there. This is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. So when you can kind of stand on, on, you know, your, your own two legs, you know, and I think that's where people can kind of start to see like, okay, I think I need to start thinking a little bit differently. And it's a process too. And I think, you know, we've all seen the process and, and I think it's, we're in an ever growing process even now. And, and I, I see, uh, how dance is, 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 is really going on a different trajectory in terms of um, how it's perceived in, in not only by dancers and the dance culture, but by the non-dancing world who knows nothing about mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. and in the way that they're kind of learning about it. You know what I mean? And I feel it is important, though, to at least uh, give credit to some of these f- foundational dances, you know, because yeah. a lot of times you do infuse it. And, you know, we talked about the evolution even with Bruce Lee when he created Jit Kune Do, yeah. and he, but he knew Wing Chun prior, you right, know, he just right. modified it. Yeah. And which is a lot of what dancers are doing now, you know, mm-hmm. like b-boys incorporate house into into breaking, but it doesn't mean that they don't know their breaking fundamentals mm-hmm. or their house fundamentals. You know, they're just fusing it. But I get it because nowadays some people may not know any locking moves, but then they'll just incorporate a certain move and not know its DNA or where it came from. Right. So I, I truly feel that, you know, because there's a lot of purists out there that are against that. That's yeah. why mm-hmm. some people are opposed to open style or all style competitions because mm-hmm. they want to just specifically focus on breaking or a locking competition or a popping competition but i feel that if a dancer could fuse all of it but still understand these dances individually and its foundation then i'm not opposed to that mm-hmm. it's just when we have the newer generation where they just want to you know they're not patient enough to like build um their foundation in every dance they're just mm-hmm. trying to take a little from each each dance and, yeah you know it's just it lacks the maturity yeah yeah for sure yeah i mean it's self-expression at the end of the day right you're expressing yourself through music dance whether you got inspired by breaking whether you got inspired by locking and you're just taking it and running with it to whatever sound that you want to express it to mm-hmm. right i mean there's nothing wrong with it you know it's just like ronnie said i mean at least acknowledging that you just acknowledging did, yeah mm-hmm. like, you know just that part i guess because those are the things that i guess as being in this dance for so long Mm -hmm. it's just at least give that recognition to where it came from because a lot of us we do recognize our Mm -hmm. influences our inspirations Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what it's built on right like the respect that we show for where this thing came from or Mm -hmm. our movements came from Mm -hmm. and i think that's the thing where people kind of go back and forth with and you know at the end it's just you're enjoying yourself you're expressing yourself the freedom of expression so there's no judgment there, you know. Yeah. It's just, I guess, the recognition of maybe the influences of where the foundation of certain things that you're doing come from. Yeah. 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 How long y'all been dancing individually? Individually? Uh, 26 years? 23? 24. 24. Yeah. Pretty much the same, yeah. Yeah. How old are you guys each? I'm going to be 37. Hey, I'm 36 right go. now. Let's go. Let's go. 37. 37. Okay. I'm 31. Okay, cool. So it's the 30 club over here. Yeah. 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 30 30s. Dirty 30s. <laughs> I love it, man. I mean, we've that's, been, that's we've dope We've been all to dancing me. for over a century with all our years combined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I love it, man, because, you know, again, something like this, which requires so much athleticism, like you can't, you can't go that many years if you're not taking care of yourself and knowing what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so now you know we're we're we all recognize we can't dance forever right and so for you guys individually do you guys have uh you know aspirations or plans and goals or things that you're kind of currently working on maybe 
you know, coinciding with your dance career or maybe outside of it? Like, Ronnie, I know you got District out in Las Vegas and stuff like that. Like, uh, what's what's kind of sort of the, the next sort of uh, vision, you know, outside of dance for the future? Mine has always been about trying to cultivate something or build something for the future, you know? And back home with District and even with Knucklehead Zoo, they have like a, a zoologic program where mm -hmm. they're really invested in all their kids and they have like more than 30 students. And, you know, we're trying to do the same with District. And yeah, just really try to grow the scene and trying to build for the future. Dope. Yeah, for me, it's yeah, trying to actually establish something like District uh, where we can provide classes or ways of education for the, for the scene within what I've done, you know. Um, aside from that, there's different projects that I want to do. I have a YouTube channel uh, where I want to start launching my own content and my own like mini documentaries on people that I feel are pivotal to the scene. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, you know, down the line, I want to write a book and uh, yeah, that's dope. Man. Work work into different ways of keeping this movement growing and pushing it. And yeah. that means helping younger people. So. You know, preserving the the roots of the the culture too. You know, because yeah. I feel like a lot a lot gets lost, especially with everything just happening so fast and mm -hmm. all the information people are getting so quick. Sometimes mm -hmm. a lot of like um, important information gets lost. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same here. Pretty much the same. Like I see myself as a messenger. You know, so mm -hmm. I try to do as much as I can, be relevant to what I do. And then for the future, it's just going to be a reflection of what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. So still going to be an artist no matter what, yeah. you know, somehow. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so. That's what's up. Nagin's going to break barriers. He's going to be freaking break <laughs> until he's like 80. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it, man. I really do. I love it, man. I love that you guys value, uh, I mean, just from what all you guys are saying, education is a big mm -hmm. part of uh, not only what, what you guys have gained individually from this this whole culture and this art form, and uh, I mean, here we are at the Kinjas Dojo. This is our, our this is where we educate. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And this is where we uh, we teach the things that we've learned, um, and and the disciplines and the mentality, the mindset behind all of it, so that this thing can continue on because it doesn't die with us. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? We're just yeah. a little little part within mm -hmm. this big puzzle and. Um, it's dope that you guys have a, a, a passion to to pass on what you guys have learned and, mm -hmm. and, and inspire the future generations, man. That's what's up. Yeah, 100%. That's what it is, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right, we're going to do a little lightning round with you guys. I'm going to fire out some questions. Ooh. And then, you know, I'm going to go each one of you guys. You guys got to come off top. Yeah. Here I'm we go. Lightning round. Three, two, one. Best moment in your B-boy career, Ronnie? Uh, ABDC. Rock's right. UK champs. Rebel BC1. What is your favorite food? Ah, there's too much. <laughs> Japanese, sushi. Mexican. Uh, Brazilian. <laughs> Tradition. What's, what's the song to get you to light up the dance floor? Like, once this song is on, it's like, boom, I'm out. Oh, man, there's too many. But one that comes to mind is uh, Life at the Party. Ooh. Uh, made you look. Nice. Yeah, I would say that one too. We're Made thinking the same. That? Yeah, oh, yeah. But I'm okay. I'm a deep house head, so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure. Dang. Uh, I love buying shoes. I guess, but that's <laughs> every b boy's guilty pleasure, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sweets, Kazals. Was it expensive sunglasses? Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Expensive <laughs> sunglasses. Kazals, bro. 
go. <laughs> Women. <laughs> Just keep it real, man. Just keep it real. Uh, what was your toughest battle to prepare for or even just like the, the moment itself, the battle itself? Me and Rock's right in the finals. BC won 2007. <laughs> uh, battle in Crumbs in 1999. Word. What's the question again? Didn't toughest get? battle. Toughest. Oh, wow. I think the toughest battle is the one that's not in, in video, so... It's not um, on video. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I think, like, my crewmates, yeah. Word. Mm -hmm. Sick, okay. Dream battle scenario. <clears throat> it could be you battling somebody, or you just want to see this battle happen. Hmm, interesting. So, okay, so check this out. This is actually a, a conversation that came up just recently. We're having our full force 24th year anniversary, June 29th, and I was hanging out with Supercrew, and do not mention doing a battle with Ben Stacks and his two kids versus Flea Rock and his two kids. <laughs> so it'd be like a father and son that exhibition. That would be so dope, So dude. I, I feel that if we don't do it at Full Force Anniversary, maybe we'll try to do it somewhere down, down the line. But that, that would be a cool exhibition battle, father wow, and son battle. And not tough. just father and son, it's father and two sons. Yeah. And they're the exact same age. What? Yeah. <laughs> Their kids are, I think, yeah. Their yeah. two sons are you know, just Yo, two years apart happen, and they're dude. the exact same age. So I'd like to see that go down. Uh, damn. Well, I'd want to see something like, um, I don't know, like an Issei Victor battle, but like a real battle. Like I'm talking like a Cypher, like 20 round battle. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah those two B-boys that. are like Word. killing the game right now. Word. Okay. Mm, well. An iconic battle. Yeah, I would say like Ivan and um, KML again. Whoa. <laughs> it already happened, but I would like to see it again. Yeah, because yeah, I, yeah, well, I have reasons for that. But Ivan and Kamel. Word. Yeah, that'd okay, be cool. that'd be crazy. Uh, what's your worst fear? My worst fear? Oh, drowning, man. Drowning. Drowning would suck. Yeah. <laughs> drowning. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Nah. Heights. Nah. It was claustrophobic. Claustrophobic. Oh yeah. Claustrophobic. Oh, okay. dude, you're right. Yeah, yeah claustrophobia. Yeah. Ooh, wow. That's heavy. Yeah. Uh, lose someone that you love. Mm. 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 Real. That's real. Yeah. Uh, one thing on your bucket list. On my bucket list. Damn. It's hard. It's hard because I felt. You've done it all. Edit. <laughs> 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 oh, bucket list. I have a daughter, but I'm shooting for a son. Hey, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Well, I guess, damn, thanks. <laughs> I still got to catch up, so dropping one of them, having a kid. Have a kid, uh, yeah. Now, I guess uh, bucket list would be uh, winning one more major one-on-one. -on -one. Let's go, 101. <laughs> Let's go. Mm, yeah, maybe a, a kid, right? You made me think about it now. Yeah. So, yeah, a child. It's that time, man. It's mm -hmm. that 30, 30s, okay, bro. Okay, a far-fetched far <laughs> bucket list was just kind of crazy. I just threw it out there. It was just... Going to space somehow, some way. I'm sure, like in the next 20 years, that'll be accessible yeah. to everyone. I'm sure Elon's working on that right <laughs> now. Um, less of, more of. So, what would you uh, like to see uh, less of in the world, and also more? Let's of start in this the way, world? man. I feel so okay. <laughs> we start with you, Nagin. What's the question again? So, less of, more of. What would you want to see less of in the world, and also more of in the world? Mm, well, less violence and more peace. Mm. Yeah. I was just thinking that too. Less complaining and more actions. Ooh, mm -hmm. let's go. Yeah, less, 
less hate and more love, man. Mm. That's right. Love it, man. It's all legit. Um, golden rule. What is your life mantra? The thing that kind of gets you up every morning and keeps you moving, keeps the fire lit. Rocks, right? We'll start with you. Damn. <laughs> well, I have a motto. I say skills talk, no hype needed. And aside from skills, I mean, that's just getting up and doing what you're supposed to do that you want to do and just go through the day doing it. Don't worry about all the negative stuff, mm. you know? Yeah, mine is similar. I always just say, like, just represent to the fullest extent. So just, just be the best version of yourself. Be the, be the best you could be, man, you know? And just not in your skill, but just as a, as a human being, you mm-hmm. know? Always yeah. stay positive. Mm-hmm. I'll be grateful. Be grateful. Mm-hmm. Really, really good stuff. Guys, I feel like we could talk forever. I have, I have a ton <laughs> of, you know, other questions. But I think, you know, just to kind of sum up even with what we're talking about here... Um, Man, like you guys are are stamping your foot in history, you know what I'm saying? And and what you guys have done for the culture and are continuing to do for the culture, it's amazing. And um, it's guys like you that um, we need more guys like you to be doing that. And so, first of all, thank you guys for just being such great leaders and um, and taking the craft and being responsible with it and teaching it and passing your knowledge down to. Um, you know, the current generation to the younger generation. And it's dope. I, I see what BC One's doing. I see what Red Bull's doing. And, and it's it's dope that um, they recognize you guys as, as people to be ambassadors for mm-hmm. their vision and what they want to do for culture and stuff like that. And um, it makes me encouraged that you guys are right around my age. I'm like, oh, shoot, okay, I'm not alone in this <laughs> yeah. thing. Man. You guys are still at the top of your game, so that inspires me to keep, you know, keep focused and keep going with what I'm doing. And, you know, it's platforms like this, you know, um, where you guys can um, not just show your moves but let people know your mindset, you know what I'm saying? I think that's what's huge that people may not quite uh, put so much value on is how you think will determine everything you do. Mm-hmm. So I think from knowing your guys' physical ability and like now hearing, you know, what's in your, what's in your mind and what drives you guys. Um, that to me is, is almost maybe even more valuable than just the physical skill yeah. side of it. And so thank yeah. you guys for opening up your minds and your experiences. Um, and, uh, I mean, yeah, like, so you guys are out here in LA, let's talk about this tour a little bit. Like what's, what are some of the upcoming things that people can kind of be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean, we got the, you know, the Roto BC one cypher going down this week, weekend here in LA. We got Nagin teaching a free workshop here at the Dojo. Today, we tonight. Oh, yeah. Hong Ten teaching yeah. a free workshop mm-hmm. as well. Uh, we're going to be heading up San Francisco, San Jose this coming week, Fresno. Uh, some Boston. of us are going to Orlando. Some of us are going to Boston, Philadelphia, uh, Chicago, and Houston. Milwaukee. For the World right? Fund. Yeah, yeah. Milwaukee. For so it starts national. here in LA. And within the next month, it's going to end in Houston. So okay. this is like this is like the whole road to, you know, f- trying to find the best b-boy to represent the USA. But we're also, you know, teaching, doing workshops. We're going to be doing some exhibition battles. So we're actually going to be battling within this next uh, few weeks. Yeah, and it's so going to be cool, man. Dope. Yeah, busy mm-hmm. schedule, but busy, it's, yeah. it's going to be fun. Yeah, that's the life, man. Where can people follow you guys, like individual individual journeys, you know, social media and all that? Uh, well, for anything Red Bull BC1 related, go to redbullbc1.com and, you know, you could purchase your tickets there for the next upcoming events. Uh, my personal is Ronnie underscore FF. 
Uh, for me, it's Rockstar95, and my website is rockstarrepresents.com. Uh-huh. For me, it's Neginism, so it's N-E-G-U-I-N. Let's say you're going to find me. He's probably the only Negin on there. That's on Instagram. Everybody's on IG. I feel like that's the only yeah. one that people really use. Yeah, I mean, Rock Shred Official on Facebook. There Rock it is. on Twitter. I see you as Facebook, man. I feel, <laughs> I feel old when I ask people about Facebook. Like, I know, people right? still I use Facebook. I'm like, I do, but okay, maybe just yeah. stop. That's what's up, man. Dude, thank you guys for coming through, man. Best, best luck on the tour. Yeah. Um, keep killing the game, man. Keep yeah. doing all the we things. Appreciate it, man. Thank, thank you for having us. Respect to. Kenji's Dojo. Respect all, fear none. Hey, yeah. let's go. Thank you. We got to do some more. Us. We got to do some more stuff with you guys yeah. too, man. Yeah, man. But um, yeah, if you guys are, are listening or watching, thank you guys so much. Um, thank you guys so much for following our journey, man. This is, uh, I was just t- telling these guys, we've been in this thing for about seven months now and um, it's going strong thanks to you guys. So, uh, I mean, this thing that we're doing, it, it's this is for y'all and I would just say if this is providing value to you, um, just share it, man. I think, uh, you know, you plugging, uh, you know, follow us on IG, Kinjas Podcast, uh, cast with a K, Kinjas.com slash podcast. We're on all your podcast channels, Spotify, iTunes, um, all of it, wherever you get your podcast, you can find us type of Kinjas Podcast. And um, yeah, leave us a five star rating. If you dig what we're, what we're saying, if it's providing value to you, leave us a review, DM us. Uh, I respond to every message. We regram all the stuff that you guys say, what the, the, the things that you're finding valuable in the episodes and stuff like that. Um, but really, it's uh, we want to keep this thing going. So share it, you know, put it on your uh, IG stories and tag us and we'll regram all that stuff. So um, thank you guys so much. Oh, check out the show notes, man. There's You're going to find a lot of the stuff that we talked about here today. Uh, some of the clips, video clips, uh, just the the little things that we're referencing. Uh, we put all that stuff in the show notes. So click on the show notes if you want to see the battles that we're talking about to the shows that were mentioned. There's a lot of really good, you know, information on there. So uh, be sure to check that stuff out. And um, thank you guys for watching, listening. We'll catch y'all next time. Peace. 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 Peace.